Congratulations, you found it. This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. Nicole, this coffee is a little slice of heaven. Yes, Good. thank you very much. Thank you. Nicole brought us coffee tonight in a little red cup. And I think you can guess who that was from. <laughs> <clears throat> Unless you need a bigger hint, S-T-A-R. <laughs> I think they should sponsor this show. We bought enough coffee over the last 20 episodes. This is episode 21. Can you believe it? I know. We're legally allowed to drink. Yeah. We're legally allowed (gasps) to drink. Yeah, we should be having a huge celebration tonight. I actually almost brought a bottle of wine up here because I got one for Christmas, but I decided not to. Just in case any drunken podcast. And maybe part timers came up and saw our bad influence. Yeah, and then we would have gotten in <laughs> trouble, and it wouldn't yeah. have been fun. Yes, yes, Well, yes. Since, since we're 21, Nicole, I, Vaughn and I each have a little diary type thing that we keep in our purse Oh, to write down all the books we've read, mm-hmm. and I looked all over to try to find one just like ours, and I couldn't find one, but here's this lovely little purple journal <laughs> with a little rubber band around the outside. Well, thank you. So that you can have a journal of your very own to write your books in. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, it fits just perfect in your purse, mm-hmm. and it, it's got lines. Does it have lines? Yeah, it has lines mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, I love mine. Well, because that way, if you're at the bookstore and you want to know what the name of a book is or something, you don't have to get on your phone and get to Google and blah, blah, blah. You can just look in your book. It's got a little folder in it, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, does oh, it? Hey, cool. ours don't have folders. <laughs> I think ours might have a folder. Does it? Oh, now we're going to have to look. I have to get, 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 no. to get mine. That's but okay. also, we'll what I like mine for, too, is if I'm talking to somebody and they tell me about a book, I can jot it down real quick because I my memory is so bad that yeah. I'll go to look for it. And I'm like, <laughs> well, they said it was about a, a girl on a train. And so I'll Google novels for girl on a train. <laughs> and it wasn't that girl on a train. It was some right. other one. Yeah. So on our 21st birthday... What should we talk about? Well, I think on your 21st birthday, you're supposed to talk about your very favorite things. You think? I think so. Well, I think I know what my very favorite things are. That would be, drum roll please, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Yes. (laughs) And I know Nicole has said that Harry Potter is one of her all-time favorites. It definitely is. And so is Lord of the Rings, actually. Mm-hmm. So I picked well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to visit the thing that does it for you. Mm-hmm. And Lord of the Rings was so influential in my life that for a very long time, I read it at least once, sometimes even twice a year. Mm-hmm. Because if it was a grounding thing for me. I felt after I left home, you know, I was going through all those rough, difficult Post-teenager, pre-adult, kind of in between yeah. that area where you just don't haven't found your feet yet. Mm-hmm. 
for some reason, going back to that book again and again just really was a very grounding effect on me. <laughs> and so I think I've read it at least at least 50 times. So a lot. And not to mention both of those series is something that is different for a lot of people. It has so, so many different elements that a lot of people who don't like the same things necessarily can read that book and enjoy it. Yeah. That's very true. And, and just a little trivia for you. I actually looked this up because we we have talked about this before, but we haven't actually done a full podcast about it. So I looked it up because I had in my head for some reason that this was written so long ago, um, but it was actually The Hobbit that was written in 1934. And as you know, The Hobbit begins the journey of the ring mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because without The Hobbit, there is no ring. Mm-hmm. So back in 1937, before World War II, he wrote this beginning, this little story that was written for his children that somehow morphed into this gigantic thing for him that changed the world Yeah, for so many people. He even wrote his own language to go with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can actually <clears throat> like learn it. Uh, Duolingo has an app and you can... Man, we should have done that. We should have got. Oh, we should have done Duolingo and been able to speak some Elvish. We're, that's going to be our new New Year's resolution, so that at some point we, <laughs> we can, can talk in Elvish. We can we can say a few phrases in Elvish in in honor of maybe for his birthday. <laughs> I think it's in June sometime. I, I was going to say, when is his birthday? What is our deadline on that? That's kind of my little my little story about why I was so drawn to Lord of the Rings. I actually read it the first time when I was around 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hobbit, I had seen uh, the, no, I think I read The Hobbit before the thing yeah. came on TV. Remember that? The animated Hobbit that came on? You guys are too young for that. I rem- I know about it, but I've never actually watched it. Yeah, and yeah, that was I on, remember that. that was on TV after I had already read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings for the first time. So I was fairly young when I read it because I had older brothers and sisters who were teenagers when I was young so I always would get whatever they had laying around and so I read a lot of books early on there you go that's my my story of how I began what about you guys well see the Hobbit I read the Hobbit when I was probably about 11 or 12 and I actually didn't even know that there was more books on it until I was an adult and met you. <laughs> what? Wow. Wow. Because I mean, we've only known each other for probably nine. Nine years. Has it? No, I think it's been 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. Wow. And, um, but I mean, I was about like you. I read whatever was around and I was at my grandma's house. And, you know, this is in the land of only three channels. Yes, and if there was a the snowstorm, then nothing came in because, you know, the antenna didn't want to pick anything up. So <laughs> Nicole's I, I would, like, you guys are so old. <laughs> hey, I still don't have cable. I use an antenna. So. <laughs> yes. so, you know, I would read whatever my grandma had around and she, The Hobbit was one of the ones that she had. And I loved it. But... I didn't have any friends to talk about books with, so I oh, loved that's it, so but sad. I kind of... <laughs> that, that, we're trying to change that here with our podcast. Well, I know. Now I have friends who yeah. talk about books. <laughs> At the time, I didn't because, oh my gosh, you don't want to be that nerdy girl in school. Hey, I think nerdy girls are the most awesome-est. Yeah. Well, now they're awesome. <laughs> At the time, not so much. Hey, I became best friends with 
this is completely a complete digression, That's but okay. best friends with my best friend because she hung out with the same group of people I did. Mm-hmm. But I saw her reading Pride and Prejudice <gasps> one day and I was like, oh my God, I have to be friends have with be her because it was her. before we were in the, like we weren't technically in high school yet. We It wasn't a required book. She was just reading it uh, and I had already read it like 30 times. And so Wow. That's, that's a book recommending a person. Yeah. That is cool. I don't think any, you know, I don't know if any of my friends went back when I was that age really read. I don't remember any of my friends reading, seeing any of my friends None reading. My friends were really readers when I was growing in up. In fact, a lot of my friends would pay me to do their book reports for school. <laughs> I think a big part of it is like now because of TV and like everybody... There's, you know, you see the stereotype of the cool, like, book nerd, and everybody kind of, you know, kind of wants to be that person, the smart, like, yeah, dark, now, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Back when I was, like, 12 person. is when MTV first started, yeah. so anyone who had cable, well, my gosh, you were watching MTV. Yeah. So I think it's, like, now we're back to... I don't know. Well, that's Reading pretty dang cool. awesome. Or at least we were. But like, people our age don't talk about books together. Yeah. Like in polite Mm-mm. settings, like normal people talk about movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's odd if you say, so have you read any good books lately? People look at you like you have a third eye. Mm-hmm. We have to stop that right here. We're going to put a stop to that. <laughs> we need to start a new trend. Yeah. A new movement. We have. This is our new trend. Isn't that what you were talking about one day? New movement, the book movement. Oh, yeah. I think Nicole was talking about it one day. Yeah, was I think I? it was you. <laughs> I don't remember this. Starting a movement. <laughs> Not a bowel movement either because this is a small room as we have discussed earlier this evening. <laughs> Do you drink before the podcast, Nicole? Maybe Not you were drunk. <laughs> okay, so Nicole, what was your first exposure to the Lord of the Rings? Uh, it was, I don't. One of my friends, in, I was in middle school, her dad, the movies had already started coming out, and I think the second one was out already, and I was probably 14, maybe 13, around that, t- probably 14 or 15, actually, and uh, he was watching the movie, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but I had never really watched um, like that type of stuff. No, no while fantasy? It's science, well, I've watched fantasy, but all of the stuff, like... Because my dad always watched sci-fi, oh, so I always grew up yes. Star Wars, like that mm-hmm. time, like technological yeah. fantasy, right. and so I'd never seen anything like this, and I was like, okay, it's interesting, and then I went to a garage sale one day, and they had the trilogy, and it was all in one book, and it was like the thinnest paper in the entire world, <laughs> and it was small print, and I bought it for 50 cents, and I read the entire thing. And I didn't even realize it was three books. I just read this giant, like... Massive. And felt like it was a feat, like... (laughs) A feat of strength, speaking Uh of which. It is Festivus today. Happy Festivus, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) December 23rd, in case you didn't know, is officially Festivus. Yeah. So, um, actually, the publishers uh, originally balked at the idea of printing his book as it was intended, which was the whole thing together Mm -hmm. for economic reasons they split it into three good which you know (laughs) it was weird when i was first reading i was like what a stupid place to end number one i mean it ends right in the middle of a freaking scene practically yeah and number two is just kind of filler almost yeah it's moving the story along but it's nothing it there's no like 
climax, I guess. Right. Yeah. And then three's where it's at. Yeah. Well, personally, I always kind of dug number two. I like, well. I don't know why I liked number two so well. Maybe it's because I like the. I think it goes more into the world. And yeah. Like, maybe that's why I liked it so much. Because I always felt like I was there hmm. in Middle Earth. Yeah. I think what you're hearing right now is you're hearing three women who got very early exposure to an epic fantasy and stayed in love for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think it's not just us. It's, I mean, who hasn't, like, read it? If you think about all the things that this book has spawned, everybody knows what a hobbit is now, and he made that up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He created that. And I mean, what do you think of when you think of um, elves? Like, do you think of Legolas? Do well, you now think I of, do. That oh, I've yeah. seen the movie. But that's a whole other thing. That's, that's well, the movie. Well, I mean, even like for the books, do you think of, you know, arrows and light on their feet and spriteful? <laughs> I know they're like the terminology in within the books is like a daily habit in my household because my boyfriend loves to ask for 11 and <laughs> <laughs> what's 11 what's second breakfast <laughs> yeah i would love to have second breakfast thank you very much <laughs> i think we can all resonate with the love of hobbits and their love of food and drink yeah yeah they're just very happy people and the whole good versus evil that takes place in this novel, how would you even explain that? You would, you're, t- you're, you're looking at something so ordinary, something we might even consider boring. The Shire, right? Mm-hmm. The Shire is a beautiful green, ordinary. But their sense of, there's, they have such a sense of community at the Shire. I, I mean, you say that they love to eat, which they do love to eat, but it's always an event. You're right. It's always yeah. a celebration. When they eat, everyone comes over and you have a lot of people and lots of food and that's very drink true. and song and Plus conversation. Plus the, the way they celebrate birthdays. Yes. Yeah. It's, the whole, it's the whole Shire that celebrates one birthday. I think you fall in love with their culture. But yes. it's also very similar to ours. It's just enhanced and magical. Like, because yeah. when we think of, we always want our birthdays to be magical. Right. But Well, the so, way they celebrate birthdays is they give a present away on their, isn't that how that works? They the give person, a present on their birthday and that way. They give the presents away to other people on their birthday instead of vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And that way everybody gets at least one present pretty much a day. <laughs> You're in the <laughs> uh-huh. We're always getting presents. Mm-hmm. And what's not to love about presents? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea that that it takes something like that, something so ordinary, and then shows how those ordinary people react to something really awful happening. Mm-hmm. Something they can't even get their head around. Because that sort of thing happens in real life, you know? You'll be going along and all of a sudden people start flying planes and into the into buildings into buildings and you know people start shooting up rock concerts in France and yeah you know the things that are ordinary to us all of a sudden are tipped on their heads. Mhm. So to take this book in that context 
it's something so horrible and so huge and so evil, but the way they deal with it is just so incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite part is how many characters you're following within the novels and their storylines and how they connect and just the like the camaraderie, the friendships, the everything mm-hmm. and the, even even like the evil part of it. It's just it just makes it better almost. I don't know how to no, I, I agree totally yeah. because you have all of these characters that are from different worlds practically that are thrown together for this journey and they all they all connect with each other mm-hmm. and they become friends and they would die for the other person basically and fight think, to the death. Yeah. And it, like the it's a very important novel today. It's still Agreed. think about the years like how long ago these were written, which when I found that out, which I didn't find that out today, but a long time ago, I was in shock that these weren't modern day novels because um, it's all about equality and like acceptance of Mm -hmm. other cultures and other uh, races. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It has such deep themes. Um, There are explorations of dwarves against elves especially early on, Mm -hmm. um, because a dwarf and an elf are chosen to go on this journey together, and they're mortal enemies. Mm -hmm. So... But yet they worked... But yet they worked it out. They worked it out, and they all got together because they could see that what was happening was so much bigger than their little squabbles. And I will have to say that... Is it Gimble? Gimli. Gimli. Gimli and... Legolas are two of my favorites. I like them. <laughs> Were they your favorites before you saw the movie? Yeah. You want to well, know who... See, that's hard to say because I, I watched the movies before I read the book. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, because you came to the game a little late on I did that. come to the yeah. game late and they didn't have... I mean, they had dwarves in in The Hobbit, obviously, but, and, but the elves didn't play a really big part in The Hobbit. They played a part in it, but not quite as big as Lord of the Rings. Right. So, my favorite was Aragon, mm. the books and the movie. I I would have to say my favorite has always been Sam. Yeah, I like you know, Sam. I, there's something about the loyalty that he has as a friend to Frodo that to me, that's the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life like Sam. Yeah, not as not necessarily as a servant, like Sam. You know, it's the whole, it's a little weird in the book where, you know, because Sam is basically like a butler type figure. Right. Yeah. You know, he's an employee, basically, of Frodo. Frodo. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he gets put with Frodo on the journey by Gandalf Mm -hmm. because he knows too much, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, I think he also kind of. He got himself into it, and then he he didn't want to leave. He well, was yeah, he was actually through. part of the group that was that was uh, trying to figure out what was going on with Frodo. He mm-hmm. was eavesdropping on purpose. Yeah, but I mean, th- Sam, the character of Sam, is a hidden strength mm-hmm. that we just don't know we have. And to be that kind of a friend, to be that kind of a strength, it's just inspirational to me. I think he's just great. Yeah. But, he is great. I mean, I got other favorite characters too, but if I had to pick one, I'd I'd say Sam. Frodo's kind of 
kind of whiny at times. <laughs> he's a little whiny. He's a little. But I don't want to do he's this. Got, this uh, he's hard. very. He's got a very goth attitude. Yeah. Well, I and mean, you know, I he know he's strong a, enough to take it on. He's a bad guy, place, but, but I like um. Who's the one that has the ring? Uh, my precious. Oh, um, uh, Gollum. Gollum. Smeagol. Yeah, but Smeagol was a very, um, he was the type of character to me that was, I mean, you felt so damn sorry for him. I hated mm-hmm. it. Like, I I never once really felt sorry for him really? or liked him at all. I no. didn't in The Hobbit. He just creeped me out and like even still just looking at the movie pictures of him. Yeah. Just like men. But it just goes to show you that power corrupts. Yeah. Yes, it does. And you know, if you look at him just right in the movie, the way his hair is especially reminds me of a certain political individual. <laughs> you know. If it was a little thicker, maybe. Maybe. If he had more of a tangerine over. glow. <laughs> <laughs> Power corrupts. <laughs> so the Lord of the Rings, the reason we wanted to talk about this, well, besides the fact that we love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is the best give that you best gift that you can give someone that has not read it, mm-hmm. yeah. especially a young person. If they're an avid re- reader, now if if somebody isn't a, a somebody who reads regularly, this might be a hard novel to start out with. Yeah, I guess you're kind of right on because that. it it isn't ex- it is not a very easy read. It's very the the language is very flowery. It is very flowery. And there's a lot of it. I mean, it's an awesome book, and I would recommend it even even if you buy it for somebody and they don't read it right away. They read different novels first and come back to it. Yeah, I and, I had a lot of people that I've recommended it to rec- recommended this book to over the years say, "Eh," and I think it's because the descriptive passages are quite long it is and it i mean the guy J.R.R. tolkien was a linguist that's what his Mm -hmm. job was and the different languages yes if you're not somebody who reads a lot that throws you and the poetry yes there's a lot of poetry writes a lot of poetry in there Mm -hmm. so it really is an epic it's a very epic epic. book i mean yeah and also, another interesting thing to know about it, and Tolkien many times has said that the book is not, it's not an allegory. It doesn't, it's not disguised as a book about something, yeah. right? But he was in the trenches in 1917. Mm-hmm. And you can see some of the influence that comes through in the fight scenes and in the war scenes and in him wandering through the wastelands with, you know, with Frodo and Sam wandering through the wastelands with Gollum. You can really see that influence that it had on the way that he wrote. Yeah, the wastelands could be the no man lands between the trenches. Yeah, Uh, that's a picture I always had in my head, which was funny because I never knew any of that stuff. Mm hmm. Before I read it, but that it was such a good description of the place that I was already familiar with it by the time I heard that he was actually in the war during that time. Yeah. Hmm. 
So it's interesting to see the way people's the thing that the things that happen in a writer's life will come through anyway, even if they're not intending to write about something. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a sub it's a subconscious. Yeah, because people would ask him, oh, does this represent that? And he's like, no, I, that is not what I had in mind at all, which was nice because at least they got to ask him and people weren't making crap up about it and, you know, saying this is what he meant. Yeah. I hate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So I suppose we should just, for the people listening, give a very brief overview of what it's about. One of you girls want to try that? I mean, I can, I can try it. Okay. It's about a hobbit who is entrusted with a very special ring. And okay, I don't know <laughs> where to go. From what that. is what, have, what is it's the, okay, um, the ring? One, one ring to. But rule he doesn't them. know that the the ring gets picked up in the Hobbit by Bilbo by Bilbo Baggins. his quote uncle, mm-hmm. and he keeps it all those years, mm-hmm. and he uses it to disappear because it causes invisibility when you put it on, mm-hmm. and it also extends your life. Right, but we don't really know that right away. Well, you do by Lord of the Rings. Well, well, yeah, we do by Lord of the Rings. But when he got it, he didn't have any idea what it was. He just, it was like a party trick. Mm-hmm. But he kept it with him all the time. And it did cause his life to be longer. And he didn't change very much. Didn't get much older. Yeah. Looking. Right. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing was that nobody ever investigated what it was until, God, how many years was went by? A lot of years went by in between. And all of a sudden, Gandalf, he'd been thinking about it for a long time. Jeez, what could this ring be? Because there weren't very many possibilities for magic rings in that time. So it was bugging him. So he went and he was doing research this whole time, evidently. So he comes back to the Shire and he says, Hey, Frodo, do you still have that ring? Or Bilbo, do you still have that ring? Mm-hmm. And Bilbo says, yeah, I've got it. So? Well, this is no longer a brief synopsis. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, so it's not very really brief. So Frodo gets the ring. He's given it to his to him by his uncle. Not and, willingly, but given. Yeah, yes. he, well, he doesn't know what it is, so he doesn't, he, he doesn't understand what, what is about to happen. But Gandalf shows up at the Shire and tells Frodo he needs to take the ring... Blah, 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 blah. And he'll meet him there. Well, Frodo leaves and Sam sees him and follows him. And then they go on lots of adventures. And <laughs> in between. Very good <laughs> And so they get to another village and they meet Aragon. Mm-hmm. And, they, and in the meantime, they're being, being chased. Yeah, they don't. But they don't really understand why they're being chased or like they just know it's kind of a bad Something bad is Something going Something bad on. and scary. Yeah. Because Gandalf has sort of disappeared at this point. Yeah, and they don't know where Gandalf is, and then he doesn't show up to their meeting point. So Aragorn takes them, and they end up getting more and more people with them. The dwarf, the uh, uh, elves, they go... like They go hang out with the elves. Yeah, for a little we're while. We're being protected there for a little while. And then they form... The Fellowship yeah, of the Fellowship Rings. of the Ring, mm-hmm. which is... I don't remember. Three hobbits, two men. Wait, four hobbits, right? Oh, sorry. Four hobbits, two men, an elf and a dwarf, and a wizard. And I think that's it. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So they have all these people, and they finally figure out, like, what the ring is, and that they need to destroy it. 
But destroying it is not as easy as just burying it or throwing it in the ocean or melting it down by conventional means because it's a magical ring. Yeah. They find out that the only way to destroy it is to travel to... A volcano. A volcano, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's another name for it in the book. The Cracks of Doom. Yeah, and throw it down into, essentially, this giant lava pit. Um, However, the source of evil is, like, right on top of this volcano. Well, that's because the dude that created it is super, super evil, Sauron. Mm -hmm. And he's so super evil, and he thinks the ring has... He didn't even realize that... His ring had been found, and then he's the guy looking for it, of course. Yeah, and at some points when Frodo puts the ring on, Soren can then see where he is, and so there's points where Frodo can no longer use the ring. and Because he's too close, and he knows that he'll be seen. So, it, anyway, it's filled with magic. Yeah, you got to suspend your disbelief. Time. Every time you use the ring, the ring gets more of a hold on you and the harder it is for you to get rid of it later. It kind of reminds me of, of an addiction it, in a yeah, way. It is. It's almost like think, you're addicted. The more yeah. times you use it, the more you're addicted to this ring. And you can't let it go and you get paranoid about other people wanting it. <laughs> so yeah. It does sound a lot like drugs, actually. So you think that everyone's trying to steal it. So you, you know, it... So it plays on your mind mm-hmm. yeah. the longer you have it. And mm-hmm. while everybody's uh, trying, focusing on getting rid of this ring, there's also political issues going on, mainly because Soren has an army and they've got to secure their kingdoms and there's kingdoms all over this. And some people are like, world. oh, well, he's not really a threat. He's not going to get us. We're just going to stay over here and protect our own crap. Yeah. You guys do your own thing. Where does that sound familiar? Yeah. So that's when the, the camaraderie between the different races comes in, because while they hate each other, you see they, them start to hate each other a little less and start helping each other out. And then, Well, they start to figure out that they need to work together because yeah. this guy is so super strong. And there's missing kings that are found. And so there's and kingdoms being that put is back broken together. that is remade. Yep. and. Gosh! So there's the so many stuff. different plot plots going on that it just uh, you're never really bored. I know a lot of people uh, don't like the amount of detail that it's go that is going into it, but that's what makes it something that you can truly sink into, and you can I like I feel like you could get on a plane and go to this world. Well, you can now because it was in New Zealand that they filmed the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now the film is actually an advantage. Um, I think it's a gateway. It's a gateway for people to look at the world and go, man, I'd like to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what the book will provide for them. Mm-hmm. So they'll already have a bit of a picture. And the people who made that movie were so, they were fans. Mm-hmm. You don't see it, it. I don't think it had ever happened that way up to that point. Well, and no movie has ever been had ever been that long up to that point. That's right. And it was a big deal when these movies came out and they're, what, two and a half hours long? Yeah, each. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when the more of a... So when the second one came out and then they were like, we're going to th- show the first one and then the second one all at the same time. <laughs> they did the same thing with the third one. And P- I remember my sister freaking out about it. They actually went to the third like movie released and watched all three of them before... Wow. 
Man, I hope they take a couple of potty breaks in there. Well, how many times have we sat around your house and had a marathon and watched all of them at one time? Yeah, that's a big good six, seven, eight hours of Lord of the Rings because I have the extended versions at Mm -hmm. home, of course. That's actually, yeah, so do do we. But me and Travis do that, like, especially on holidays like Christmas, mm because Christmas, for some reason, is a wonderful time to watch this. It is. And. Well, that's what we've we've done that a lot. Now, the, the thing that you should know, though, there are some differences, very large ones, between the movie and the books. Mm-hmm. The main one, the biggest one, is that there are not very many prominent female characters in The Lord of the Rings. And when they did the movies, they actually took some characters that, that were in the books and replaced their roles that they for example there was an elf named Glorfindel mm-hmm. who they met just before they got to um right before they got to Rivendell mm-hmm. and Frodo had been stabbed and they were trying to get him there because he was gonna die right and so Glorfindel picks him up and puts him on his horse and runs like hell towards the ford and ends up saving Frodo mm-hmm. well it didn't happen that way in the movie in the movie it was a different character. Aragorn's girly friend. Aragorn's right. girlfriend <laughs> who got who had such a tiny little role in the books. She's barely mentioned. Yeah, but yeah. she's she has she's a bigger it. role in the movie. Right. Which so I actually really like. I did like that they did it in some ways, but in other ways I didn't because as a fan of the books, yeah. it felt totally wrong when I saw the movie I just my jaw just went (laughs) yeah but but they were trying to get more female viewers and I get that I get that and see I'm okay with it because as of like especially a young female you kind of want to relate to this book you do yeah you want to put yourself into it Mm -hmm. into your favorite character well in the book it's like okay I can be a elf who is having some major issues right now Mm -hmm. or I can be a princess who is like a completely I didn't like her and Those are like the main female parts. Mm -hmm. So, And the other thing was this book was almost devoid of romance. Yes, there was no, there wasn't any romance. I mean, there were mentions of great loves, but it was like three sentences or something. It was Mm -hmm. not, I mean, they they had to put that in. They had to play it up. The only reason Aragorn's, like that girl, the elf was in there was because of, that was and that was really the only that was it part. i think well at the i end, mean aragorn and the horse girl but the horse maiden the, oh yeah a little she bit d- you there was something there between them in the books as well where she was in love with him but it was obviously obvious that he wasn't but yet it it was just skimmed over in the mm-hmm. books it would there was not that was not the focus at all yeah it was definitely a guy book at that yeah. point and so, in order to make things work a little better, they had to sort of make it more modern. They yeah. had to include yeah. women. So, really, what we need is we need you to love it as much as we love it. And that's why we talked about it. And give it as a gift if yes. you do love it. And another gift that's good if you aren't quite at the level of reading of Lord of the Rings is Harry Potter. Very good segue. Very good. Everyone loves and knows Harry Potter. And why is that? Why is Harry Potter? Why has it become the phenomenon that it has? I think a big part of this phenomenon, I know it started in the 90s, 
uh, when she first released her books, late 90s. Uh, but then what else became prominent at that same time? I don't know what. Internet. Oh, yes. Hmm. Word of mouth. So That's very true. She w- writes all this stuff. Plus, her story is so unbelievable. Like, in general, as an author, like, starting, like, being literally poor, writing the book on napkins in a cafe with a screaming toddler yes, after she just got mother. divorced. Yep. Um, trying to make ends meet and just doing this out of... Desperation. Desperation, but I think... I don't think she ever thought she was, would sell it, you know, when you just first start writing it. I think she was just... It was her own escape, her, like, stress reliever almost. Mm-hmm. And then look what it turned into. Yes. Well, I mean, really the book is... There was a lot of controversy uh, in certain circles when it came out because it was supposedly glorifying quote magic well Well, magic craft yes come Mm -hmm. on now yeah i remember actually my grandma she was like isn't this evil and i was like no grandma it's yeah but it's talking about like magic but witches and wizards the devil the way she describes them are not the witches and wizards of Grimm's fairy tales it's not the same thing at all uh it's mostly about the characters and what yeah. they're doing. It's not really... I mean, the magic, obviously, it's a school of witchcraft and wizardry. But they go to class. You know, they do their little spells. It's, and it's all very academic. It's not... There's no evil involved except for the bad guy that's trying to kill Harry Potter. Yeah. And really, at the beginning of the book, at the, the first couple of books, is more about this little boy finding himself and finding his place in life. Well, yeah, because, I mean, he he gets dropped with some relatives who do not want him. Right. They treat him horribly, and you just feel so bad for this little guy. Mm-hmm. And no, get- he's, he's, he's living in a cupboard under the stairs. He's basically a, a servant to mm-hmm. his family. And one day he gets a letter in the mail that says, guess what? You've been accepted to this school of witchcraft. And wizardry, and and he lives in London with his step family, and he's never heard of anything like this. No, and Hagrid to the rescue. Yes. So along comes this dude on a flying motorcycle with a pink umbrella, <laughs> and takes him away on his birthday to go live at Hogwarts. So I mean, it's very the the whole magical element of the book is is more tongue in cheek, I would say. I'm pretty Especially sure for the first ones. Yeah, for the first few, it is pretty tongue in cheek. When it's still more into the because they're little kids, really. right? We're geared more towards little kids. Now, I would say near the end of the series of the book, it's more for young adults. I think yes. it grew with its readers. Almost, it did. That's mm-hmm. what made it so powerful. Because I started reading it when I was probably thirteen or fourteen, and actually, I'm a little bit younger than. I mean, I was too young to read it in the nineties. I was. Like eight or nine. Gosh, she's so young. But uh, <laughs> it just kills me every time we talk about it. <laughs> but so I, when I did start reading it, I think three or four, I, three books were out already. So I read the first three. That's what started me reading because I knew how to read. I don't ever remember. So it was the beginning of a book girl right there. Yeah. Sitting in front of us is mm-hmm. a girl who would not be in this position yeah. if it hadn't been for Harry Potter. I found it in my school. Like one of my teachers had it and read it. And then, then I was the person who... My dad would order it off of Amazon for me. 
And remember, this is like early 2000s, uh-huh. so that I got it the day it was released. <laughs> and then wow. I, my sister took me to like Walmart at midnight one night to get it at oh, some cool. other point. And so it's like, that's what I grew up like doing. But you are a true Potterhead. Kind, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But it, it so like, especially if you're young, it's so relatable because when you're 13 or 14, you don't know what you want to do with the rest of your life. You don't know who you are. You're in that grumpy teenager stage. You're not sure who your friends are or like if you even want to be friends with them. And you, right. You're just going through all these issues. But then you read the story of somebody else going through the same thing. And then you grow with him. Mm-hmm. And, and gee, friends. my life could be so much worse. <laughs> and it's kind of an inspiration, like mm-hmm. seeing their friendships and like just all the difficulties they go through even though you don't go through stuff quite as bad. Right. And then just seeing the way they come out at the end. Well, yeah. they go through kind of the same thing as you do as a teenager, but with a magical element, with just more flair. And because, the yeah. humor. Oh, my gosh. The humor that is written into these books is really what does it for me. Mm-hmm. Especially if you happen to listen to the audio versions. <laughs> the guy that does the audio versions, he is my hero. His name is Jim Dale. 149 distinct voices, I believe. I could be wrong on the exact number, but it is amazing. This guy is amazing on how many different voices he can do. And it works. It it doesn't sound fake or weird when he's doing it either. He just flows right in and out of each character. And it's like the best storyteller in the whole world doing this. And he even has that, the way of bringing the humor forward that, that makes it, just like reading the book, and sometimes even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So an audio version of this book, or or at least the first three books, are great for for trips with s- smallish children. Mm-hmm. But I think they're also, if you read it to your... I know a lot of people who've done this, reading it to children, even if they're only like seven or eight years old or even younger, is like a great experience, especially around the holidays. Anytime you sit down and read to your kids, mm-hmm. it's always good. Yeah, I, but- I have to admit that I'm such a big book nerd that when Dylan was a baby, I was reading Lord of the Rings to him. He has the <laughs> best vocabulary of any kid you will ever meet in your life. Not much of a reader, but he has an amazing vocabulary. And I'm I'm thanking J.R. Tolkien for that. And Harry Potter as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Man, what great gifts those books would make. Yes, Harry Potter is a good book. And, you know, you don't have to be a little kid to love them because Christy that we work with at the library, Mm -hmm. she actually is just now for the first time reading the Harry Potter novels. Mm -hmm. And she hasn't even watched the movies. And she just finished the second one because as she's reading them, she comes over and we watch the movie. I actually like when I was growing up because everybody knew I was obsessed with Harry Potter growing up. Well, my mom had friends who were, you know, in their late 40s, early 50s that also loved the movies and the books, but they didn't want to go see like the movie release by themselves. So they would come ask to borrow me (laughs) to to take me to a movie. And so that's what we'd go see. Or And then there's one of her friends, especially that I knew read these. And so she'd get the new book. And then I'm like literally so, so young. But she, next time I saw her, we'd sit there and talk about Harry Potter, like the the latest book that came out or 
just like when's the next book book coming out it was great and that is great because how often does a a a kid who's like 10 and an adult who's like 40 have so much in common that they can sit down and have a whole conversation about something i think there are books and movies like this so rarely and i think it's because the layers that they have shrek is another great example of that in a movie Mm -hmm. where there are layers of humor yeah. In that, so that an adult watches it and laughs like crazy at the humor, and so does the kid, but mm-hmm. for different reasons. Yes. And Harry Potter is very much like that. There are layers of things going on mm-hmm. in these books that, as an adult, you can pick it up and read it, and it is a wonderful story, but it doesn't feel like reading a kid's book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I do want to mention this. Her first three books, we mentioned this already, her, the like the story grows in age as the books get as the more like later book you're reading but her first so does her writing like she's still learning to write and so actually the first three books are not my favorite because of her writing style is still like so young it's still an amazing story and mm-hmm. th- there's nothing wrong with it it's yeah. just my favorite books start at four and really it's five six and seven that are my favorite. Yeah. So the if first, you read the first three and think, or like any of those first three, and think that maybe this is too much of a children's story, just keep grows, reading. Yeah. Because it does get older and more mature as the as the children. characters do. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's never inappropriate. It's always something that your thirteen year old can read, and you don't have to be fearful of the content within it. As well, that's very yes. true. Mm-hmm. And you could do, you could read it together. Mm-hmm. It is, is very kid appropriate. Yeah, even though the well, and, and later you novels. will have the people that say, "Oh, it's witchcraft!" On oh, my ear, get over it. <laughs> That's BS. It's, magic it's just is another... magic. Magic is not real. We well, all know it, and but I don't we enjoy it. It's not supposed to be like magic is like its entity. It's supposed to be like another race of humans, another world within our world that we don't know about. It's not really supposed to be. Just an average person whipping out a wand. Exactly. It's exactly. another race of humans. It's it's people with this special talent for... A different country. Yeah. It's like literally... Mm-hmm. It can't be any worse than X-Men. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> a world in a world is a good way of describing it because... Because we don't... Us muggles don't know. Right. Because the match... You know, the, the uh, witches and the... And everything. They're su- supposed to keep it secret from the muggles. Exactly. Yeah. Keeping a secret from the muggles because our tiny little minds can't handle it. Because right. they don't want to get called witches and be burned at the stake. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> because people have such closed minds. <laughs> We're all inclusive here in this program. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, really. Fairy tales are fairy tales. Fiction is fiction. Enjoy it for what it is. Yes. Let your children enjoy it for what it is, mm-hmm. especially if it's a good, as good a book and a, as good a series of books as the Harry Potter series. Yes, the Harry Potters is a good and a great gift idea for a child who's just discovering their love of reading. Very much so. And Nicole can attest to that. Yep. So and she I wouldn't know. be here without Harry Potter. Yes, good yeah. for girls and boys <laughs> because yeah, my son well, loved it. That, well, it, the main character is a boy. Mm-hmm. Which, as you know, if you have boys like we do, 
it is dang hard to get them to read because, like my son, he's very, very active, did not want to sit down and read. Yes. But, yes, they did enjoy those books. And there's even sports in it. That's right, Quidditch. Yep. You have Quidditch, <laughs> which it's is... broomstick soccer. I was going to say, it's it's a lot like soccer, and our boys played soccer. So, so it worked out good. They were asking for broomsticks for their, for their Christmas <laughs> present. You know how hard it is to find a broomstick on short notice? <laughs> Especially the Nimbus 2000. Come on! Guys, I'm pretty sure Hogwarts' mail system is messed up because I still haven't received my letter in I, I think your owl gets lost, kind of like um, like uh, the Weasley's owl does. <laughs> a little late. <laughs> Into the sixth floor window that doesn't open. That's what happened to my owl. <laughs> Ron got a screamer. <laughs> <laughs> the humor in this book. The humor. Oh, my gosh. I keep saying this book, these books. J- um, J.K. JK Rowling. Rowling. She's a genius. I'm sorry. She is. She came up with one of the best stories of all time. She it's truly pretty is. Pretty good. And I have to say, when you go and read her interviews, because growing up, I just took this story for face value. Mm-hmm. It's a story about a little boy who grows up and has adventures, essentially, in, mm-hmm. like throughout mm-hmm. the eight books. However, uh, when you go and read her like stuff on why she wrote these and... It's, it's again just like Lord of the Rings it's about acceptance mm-hmm. um about like friendships and but she throws in like Gandalf who's gay but, but we you didn't don't know, know he that was gay. you never find it out in the book you just know that he's never had like he's not married like it's never even alludes to it in the book no at all. no it never does but the fact mm-hmm. that I mean and after the fact you're like oh now, yeah, see, I, know, I didn't doesn't know that. Gay. Did you say Gandalf? Or did I say... You did say Gandalf, but it's... <laughs> Sorry, too many. <laughs> They're the same thing. They might as well, well be the same thing. Not Gandalf. I know. What's... Now I can't even... Dumbledore. Dumbledore, Dumbledore. yeah. Dumbledore, yeah. I was like, oh my God, what is his name? Blank, uh, blank, blank. Well, Dumbledore. see, I didn't know that. Dumbledore. I never would have known that. Yeah, it, this was much that. after the fact, and they people made such a huge... Because... The thing about it is that they're, the fans will overanalyze everything. Well, I and love they the want fact to know, that Oh, my she, gosh. Why was Dumbledore never married? Well, he was gay. No well, big. Were any of the teachers at Hogwarts married? Uh, um, I don't. I, I think don't, actually, I, don't, I think she just doesn't go into it really. But I think some of them were. I was going to say because. I don't think there was really any mention you know, of it. But I love the idea that. That she answered that question and that she used the opportunity to answer that question to give voice to a bigger issue. Yeah. Well, and then uh, she talks about like Voldemort, like he and why she put him in there and uh, how he's the greater evil. And she always um, compares him to Hitler. And kind oh. of mentions like because you well, know he is prejudiced. He wants just the the pure bloods. Well, and, yeah, and the that mud really bloods. makes yeah. Well, I'm getting not, it all right now. I had no idea, Nicole. So that, but it's it's yeah, not necessarily sense. like just hit, like uh, it was just the idea of like the everything that was going on during that time period. Yeah. But then when Donald Trump got elected, she also said he is the Voldemort of my fictional world. Whoa! She that's how much she hates him, and so it's interesting to see like, and yet another reason to love her. What can I say? 
<laughs> Another reason to love her. But uh, there's just so many other things that she goes, every part of her story she thought out, um, there's a reasoning behind it, everything, which I love because some people just write it and then they go back and you can go back and say they did it because of this mm-hmm. and they're like that was a good idea but I didn't know why I was doing it <laughs> she literally knew why she was doing everything and her foreshadowing in absolutely every aspect because you go from the first book but if you're reading the eighth book you realize that she told you something in the first book that you need for that eighth book whoa yeah specifically really regarding the horcruxes hor- yeah mm-hmm. wow amazing yeah, yeah, they are all connected. They're very connected. Yeah. You don't want to read the eighth one. It's, that's one of those series that they're not standalone books. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to read, read the whole start whole to finish. Series. Amazing stuff, Nicole. You just totally enlightened me. Yeah. I love that. Oh, and there's also a entire website. Pottermore. That she created for people who are Uber fans. Mm-hmm. And then since they're doing um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Right, my, which is out in theaters right now. Which have you seen it? No, it is fantastic. Just like the Bonnie and I are going to go see it this holiday. Right, we have to go. Wink, see wink, it. nudge, nudge. I really, Guys. really want to go. I do it's, have a certificate. I have a movie certificate left from last year that I have to use. <laughs> I just want you guys to go in with this expectation. It doesn't have the full falling in love with the main character immediately effect. Oh, it's that's it's okay. more of a fun. Just remember this. It is a fun other story story. Because if you, I thought it was like, okay, just read Harry Potter. I'm going to go into this. I'm going to fall in love with this character. It's going to go on for another eight more movies and it's going to no. be the best time Wasn't of my life. Like that. No, it's just expanding on the world that she yeah, already I built. I didn't think that it would be that. And it's supposed to be fun. Very the fun. The original. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was a pamphlet. Yeah, that she wrote and she released it like in between all of her other books. And all it is is it's a description of the different magical beasts that exist yeah. in her world. And, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it, all it is. It has a fake author's name. And the the movie is about the, the, the fake person author. who... The fake author. So, which is really cool. It and is I think cool. she... I could be wrong. I know she wrote one like book like that. I don't know if it was that one specifically where it was... It's not actually part of the series. It's just some random thing. There were three little pamphlets that she wrote. One was Quidditch Through the Ages. And I don't remember what the third one was, but I have those at home. Okay. One of them, she wrote specifically all of the money that she got for it went to a charity. Sweet. And she, did you know she's the only person who like has made like more than a billion dollars or whatever but has never like she's she i think this year she had less than a million yeah she was worth she keeps giving it away to charity yeah but that's good though i know i I freaking love love her jk rowling you are the bomb i think part of that you know what really i think i wonder if that stems from the fact that she was so poor when she very first started out so she wants to give back yeah that's it because she gets it Mm mm-hmm Oh, girls. I could be her best friend. And then, like, <gasps> Emma Watson. Well, yeah. I think she learned everything from J.K. Rowling. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I heard one time, and I don't know if it's true or not, but Emma Watson, when they went to looking for the characters for the Harry Potter's movies, 
that Emma Watson just happened to be in gym class at the time and when they cast her because she had the look? Uh, I don't think it was gym class. They did. They were doing a casting call at all these elem- or like all these schools. But I don't even think and she was up for the no, part. She was in a drama class and she oh, wasn't okay. auditioning. But they, I think, I'm yeah. Wow, that but is amazing. But they saw her and recruited her. Um, and then Ron, or not Ron Weasley, his brothers. Fred and George, mm-hmm. uh, the they were they auditioned on a dare and Woo! got in. They actually originally have blonde hair, by the way. Oh, um, well, that's another little tidbit I did not hmm. know. I love and this, Nicole. Rupert Grant. Oh, I love him. I know. Ron. I had the biggest crush on him for forever. <laughs> um, I love me some redheads. He was also in like a drama class, his first one ever. And like, that's how he got got in. And, it was and that was just, Ron, right? Yeah. yeah. I would have to say he's my favorite character. I love, I love him. Ron. We you know what he does him. right now? He's <laughs> He's been in a couple movies. One is called Cherry Bomb, which is on Amazon Prime for free. And it's actually like a teenager story, movie that's pretty good. But he hasn't done a whole lot of movies since then. He bought an ice cream chuck so he can sell ice cream. (laughs) That's kind of cool. (laughs) I buy ice cream from him. I just love the way that he just like befriends Harry Potter and like just like he becomes just part of the Weasley family. Yeah. They just accept him and just make him part of it. The whole family is awesome. I mean, that's just so cool. And the other great thing is it's a very poor family. Yes, and they still accept him and share and what they little open their arms they and just let him come in, and he's never experienced anything like that in his whole life. Mm-hmm. So sad. We loved Harry Potter, and we think that this would be the very best gift that you can give to a young person or mm-hmm. an older person who just needs a little fun in their life. Yes. Yeah. Books are amazing. Yes, they are. You can buy me as many books as you want for Christmas. Anybody that's listening. Well, to that this. little book right there doesn't have anything written in it. That's for you to write. <laughs> I'll write it. <laughs> Happy you Christmas, a, a everybody! Book. Happy Festivus! Merry Happy Christmas. Festivus for the rest of us! Happy Festivus for the rest of us! <laughs> yes. <laughs> and next week we're going to talk about. We're going to. We're going to go back over our last 21 episodes. Yeah, we're going to do a review, a year-end review. A year-end review, yep. So we'll talk about some of uh, the highlights of our last 21 shows and make some good recommendations for you to start out your new year. Yes. Woot woot. And that's going to do it for the last, no, actually we're going to record our last 2016 episode next week, but. This is really the last. This is probably the last one that'll come out before the end of the yes, year. Yes, it is. So it was a great year, everyone. It was a wonderful year. And that's going to do it for Three, Three Book, Book Girls. Girls.